Hi, I'm Sparrow. And I'm Stitch. And I'm Tony the Disney Dad from the Disney Discussions Podcast. And you're listening to the The Jedi Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. The podcast that doesn't make you feel like a jerk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sonny Ravencourt from the University of Coruscant. And when I can't find reliable information for a lecture, I steal it from the Jedi Temple Archive Podcast. Seriously, I do. Their security is terrible. There's like one old lady running the whole place. Welcome to episode 45 of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we are recording this episode on Tuesday, February 26th, 2020. Uh, For today's episode, I have got a special guest from the University of Coruscant, uh, and his name is James McDonald. He has got kind of one of the coolest new podcasts out there, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, He approaches it all uh, from the standpoint of being a kind of retired holodrama star named Dr. Sonny Ravencourt from the University of Coruscant. And uh, he basically structures all of his episodes as lectures that he is giving there, kind of as a uh, a guest lecture at the university. So, uh, James, welcome to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. I'm I'm very excited to be here, and that's you're you're far too kind. Uh-huh. You're, you're almost lying. I don't think point. so. I don't think I'm lying at all. And uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna uh, for anyone who's listening to the episode. I started it off with uh, with the station ID that you did for us. So always fun to listen to the stuff that you come up with, and uh, it's right up my alley in terms of sense of humor. So uh, perfect fit for coming on the show. But um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of what your motivation was for starting the podcast and uh, where you came up with the idea? Well, um, you know, I, I looked at a bunch of different projects. I'm an old radio guy. Like this was, this was what I did in college way back in the, in the late nineties. And, uh, and so I'd always wanted to get back into it and I'd had podcasts in the past, but, uh, Star Wars was eventually just, you know, the landing point because I can't not think Star Wars. I've been thinking Star Wars my entire life, right? So uh, eventually it was like, yeah, let's get back into Star Wars and let's do something fun. But I didn't want to do just uh, just another podcast. There's so many podcasts out there. I mean, uh, to distinguish yourself like like you have, you know, you, you have to have something fun. And so um, my buddy um, his name is Mickey and he did actually all the intros for the show. And he's, he's a recurring character, like all the little voices. I'm like, okay, now I need you to sound like this. And, and so he's like, all right, give me a, like six weeks. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I need you to sound like this in three days. And, uh, and then he'll come back and give it to me. He's like, nope, you have to do a long form podcast. You can't do it live. You can't do it like your old show, uh, Sonny's diner. This is, it's gotta be it's got to be completely different. And so I said, sure. And then I immediately regretted the amount of time uh, <laughs> that it takes me to do a show. But uh, yeah, that's what it was. So it's just something totally different. So everything is in universe. It's all, you know, it's, it's an audio play. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is basically an audio play. So the shows are 15 minutes long and, uh, and I do about nine per season and it takes me, you know, every, every inch of my life to, to make them. And, uh, and I love it. And the end product is this, this great little, uh, little blip of Star Wars knowledge and fun. And this character, Sonny Ravencourt, Dr. Ravencourt that I've created is kind of taken on a life of its own of this washed up holodrama star that's completely self-absorbed. Yeah. And we really get into that in season two because he's got a TA now. So you can really bounce back the, you know, just how self-absorbed this guy is. He's not a jerk. He just, he, he thinks he's much, much more famous than he actually is at this point of his life. 
Um, and, and he's been hired by the university to come in and teach these lectures, um, very much like Matthew McConaughey at the University of Texas, which was a big influence uh, for me. The fact that they hired Matthew McConaughey to teach culture exactly. at the University of Texas. <laughs> well, again, he, uh, again, just like you saying, you're saying with your character, uh, Sonny Ravencourt, uh, he certainly believes that he is the master of many things. And uh, he comes off with, with a lot of uh, confidence when he's talking about stuff. So I can see why people would buy into that. Um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I definitely think you have to be passionate about this stuff. Now I think it's you that's being too kind. Um, I feel like we're just kind of putting content out there and having a good time doing it. And if people are finding that to be enjoyable, then that's, that's just a big win. But, um, you know, I, I, well, I'll say this to interrupt you here. Yeah. I would say not to interrupt you, but I fully intended <laughs> to interrupt you. So I'll just say it. Uh, the, the Jedi temple archive podcast, when people, when people ask me about like Star Wars history and uh, and lore and, and all that stuff, I say, hey, if you want accuracy, you go to the Jedi Temple Archive podcast. If you want pretty close, then you can come <laughs> listen to mine because I step all over canon and legends and everything because the show takes place so far in the future. And I, I've created this thing where this, this professor is not actually a historian. He's just a, like a fan of history, and he's this famous actor that's been brought in. So I get to play whatever I want with, you know, how Star Wars history takes place. You are much, much more regimented as far as, like, this is actually how, you know, the the, the canon is laid out and how the legends are laid out and things like that. So. So I listen to a, a lot of different shows and I, I look at a lot of different uh, sources for that kind of information. But yours is uh, is definitely one that uh, that I consider to be like a more a much more accurate version of of what's going on in the uh, Star Wars universe at this point. It is not always easy. It was uh, there was so much information out there before they created this whole concept of of Star Wars Legends uh, with the expanded universe content and everything. And uh, I had read so many books and watched all the shows and. And, you know, mm-hmm. read some of the comics, and so I knew a lot of that stuff kind of off off the cuff. But when they uh, when they kind of threw that all out the door and started with new canon, uh, there's some of these areas that are super interesting. But there's just not a lot of quote unquote canon for some of these characters any longer. So um, no, and I, that's when I run all over yeah. it, right? And that's Which is good. That, and I have like some I have some catchphrases that you'll hear me use, like legend has it, or. Yes. The rumors say this and this, and that you could tell right then I'm abandoning canon. <laughs> I'm just going to whatever information I can find about these people. And some of them, like, like you got to think of people like Dengar mm-hmm. and Aura Singh, where they had these fleshed out stories, very complete stories. And now each episode that comes out on something like Clone Wars is rewriting and chipping away a little bit. So it's not like Luke, for example, who, you know, we knew had this whole family. He had children. He had a wife named Mara Jade. For God's sake, she was a massively popular character. And that just got wiped out all in one (laughs) fell swoop, right? And and that's fine, and you can deal with that. Mm -hmm. And so now you have, like, okay, these are two divergent paths. But for some of these other characters, they're getting chipped away bit by bit. And so... Yeah, it's completely, you know, scattershot as far as what is uh, what is canon and what is legend. Yeah, you can deal with it. Uh, it does take some therapy um, and, mm. and a licensed therapist. So yeah. uh, there's, there's definitely it took one me way a while to get that. over some of it. You know, you grow attached to some of these stories, but uh, we won't go do- too far down that road right now. I do think that, you know, we're going to have a conversation with uh, Dr. Ravencourt uh, after we get through the Jedi trials and a uh, quick commercial break. Uh, we're going to talk about Jedi temples, and I, and I really think that that is one of those areas that you're talking about that um, – that is, there's a lot of information out there. A lot of it is considered legends, but it actually plays really, uh, plays really well, I think, for the the purpose of this episode, uh, because given the number of times the Jedi temples have been sacked and the Jedi have been nearly wiped out, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of the things that get quote unquote lost. It's like the burning of the the library at Alexandria, where uh, you know some of this information is just kind of passed down through legend. Uh, and I think that's a lot what we're going to have here for this episode today. So um, I guess without further ado, we'll jump right into the Jedi Trials. I know you were super excited about doing these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was excited say, slash nervous, yeah. Right, no, I was going to say you didn't sleep last night, but then again, you're working nights, so. 
Um, <laughs> I guess that's not really any kind of. I don't ever sleep. I mean, sleep is a <laughs> is a fantasy at this point. In my highly life. highly overrated. So, all right, first question I got for you: What is your favorite Star Wars movie and or show? It's the first one. It is Star Wars. It's A New Hope. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that that one has always been my favorite. Uh, I think that you hear a lot of people be like, I like Empire because of, you know, the the cinematography and the direction and the story is, you know, this this odd, no beginning, no end type of Star Wars story. And for me, it's like, nope, I like A New <laughs> Hope. It is... It is everything Star Wars wrapped in one. It's a great, solid front-to-end movie. Uh, it introduces, you know, all the epicness of all the characters. You yeah. get to see the first of Vader. Obi-Wan is actually in it, you yeah. know, and uh, it's A New Hope is everything for me. Uh, yeah. I think that I think that, that is, uh, that's the front and back of Star Wars. If I didn't have anything more than A New Hope, I'd probably still be a pretty big Star Wars fan. I think that's an uh, excellent point. I mean, and again, it's a minor miracle that movie was created in the first place, given all the things that were said against it. Um, and, oh, God, uh, yes. Yeah. The production problems. Oh, just unbelievable. I mean, I, I keep talking about the fact that I would love to do a make, uh, you know, start doing a, a series of episodes on the making of some of these films and kind of filling people in on a lot of the things that, that the casual fans don't know about uh, and how close some of these films were to never being made in the first place. And uh, I think that it's just all the more fascinating because of that. Not to mention, you've got a, a film from 1977 that still holds up today, um, which is a Yeah, miracle. I mean... So it's funny because a guy on Twitter that I know, uh, he was saying, my God, have you watched the changes they made to A New Hope in the new like Disney uh, Plus release? I'm like, well, yeah, are we talking about the McClunky thing here? And he's like, well, it's like three hours long and they've done all this and this. I'm like, when was the last time you watched Star Wars? <laughs> Because they've been slowly doing this over time, right? And so it's like the the frog in the frying pan yeah. for us. <laughs> I can't remember, you know, a time without yeah. some of these things. And and the the quality, you know, of looking through, like just the, you know, when the when it first came out, the the Tie Fighters were in sort of black boxes and yeah. stuff to just feasibly make it done. And and God love those guys, you know, the yeah. the technology that they invented. But now, after Lucas has like slowly dabbled with it over the last forty years, mm -hmm. it's it's a new thing. Like yeah. it's it's an entirely different viewing experience. So the thought of him not seeing Star Wars <laughs> since like <laughs> I don't know eighty five's VHS releases or something, you know, I don't I don't know how to even. I don't know how to deal with that. Well, I mean, it goes back to the fact that most people have never seen the original, original version of Star Wars because Lucas was changing it while it was being released in theaters. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, the first I, don't, release, I didn't so. see Star Wars. In I was born in 79. I didn't see Star Wars in theaters. Yeah. I have a weird upbringing with Star Wars. Like, I don't actually remember when I discovered Star mm -hmm. Wars um, or when I really started watching it. It just sort of became, you know, a major part of my life. But... No, I don't. Yeah, I am definitely not one that saw that original, original version. And you can't even see that. No. I don't believe. Well, Pat and so, Charles, I think, have the pre-special edition version uh, that they, uh, they've got it locked in a vault somewhere, I think. I like to think uh, of them in their basement, like, spooling up one of those reels <laughs> and watching it, like, on a... <laughs> on like a pseudo white wall or something. You may like not that. be far off. Uh, yeah, Pat and Charles from Conversations, good friends of the show. They've been on the podcast, and uh, they would certainly be the two guys uh, that that would have the original reels stowed like away camp, somewhere, right? <laughs> It says, do not take off property or something. Yeah, they, uh, they've <laughs> just got the Lucas archive stenciled on the basement door. <laughs> All right, we will move on to the next question because uh, at the rate we're going, we're going to be about three hours, which is perfect. Um, so yeah, that sounds, I'm sorry, that sounds like an interview with me. No, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to apologize. I'm all about good time. So, uh, what is your favorite Star Wars character? It's Obi Wan. Uh, it, it's always been Obi Wan, um, which is weird because he's not in the original trilogy a lot. You know, yeah. he shows up as a little shimmery blue guy yeah. for most of it. Yep. Um, but it's, I mean, just the work that they've done with Obi-Wan. I always wanted more Obi-Wan, and so the prequels were like Christmas for me. It was mm -hmm. all Obi-Wan. Um, and uh, and I wish he was in the, you know, the sequel trilogy, but what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then the Clone Wars, you know, just uh, tons of Obi-Wan. And so I just really love that sort of hardcore British <laughs> Jedi, right. you know, very proper. I'm sure that Obi-Wan takes his tea on time. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that kind of character versus everything else in the galaxy. And and, and speaking of which, you know, the, the master, I think it's Master and Apprentice, yes. that book yeah. um, that deals with the relationship of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon uh, is super fun to see, yeah. you know, Obi-Wan was this rebellious kid <laughs> that didn't want to follow all these rules. And Qui-Gon was sort of trying to, you know, teach him his place and everything. And, right. and as a result of that, Obi-Wan becomes this, you know, school marm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and and the thing about Obi-Wan is that it's a testament to Alec Guinness and the work that he did. I mean, certainly it was, it was the primary big-name actor that they were able to get for the original Star Wars film, uh, but Ewan McGregor to go and take speech classes to kind of adopt the mannerisms of Alec Guinness is, I think, what made his character so amazing. And uh, I didn't know how I was going to like it in, in The Clone Wars when James Arnold Taylor was going to kind of reprise that role uh, with kind of a new sound, um, mm -hmm. but he grew on me as well. So, you know, really every iteration of Obi-Wan has been wonderful. I'm looking forward to the Kenobi series if they can ever get the uh, the scripts on track. Yeah, and I think that one of the things with Obi-Wan is that it's never been bad, right? Yeah. Even with the prequels, nobody, people criticized everything about the prequels yep. at the time. I mean, that's what idiot Star Wars fans do, right? <laughs> they, they, they love to hate whatever's new, right. and then they'll love it 10 years later. Right. Um, like the amount of support for Hayden Christensen right now blows my mind. Yeah. You know, like, oh, he did such a fantastic job. I'm like, where were you <laughs> 20 years ago? Like, like there was no, you didn't exist or if you did exist, you had the opposite view and you wouldn't yeah. shut up about it. It right? was it was before they could drink, which right, is really yeah. what changed their attitude, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but nobody ever complained about Obi-Wan. Like right. he's been good in every iteration, right? Yeah. The Clone Wars one, I'm totally with you. Like it is 100% grown on me. I I have enjoyed that uh, performance and and Ewan McGregor obviously I think was, you know, one of the the shining moments of the prequels. He was good in all the movies. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, next question. What is your favorite Star Wars droid? It's R2. Um, and I know that that's such a cop-out answer. Charles and Pat had such great <laughs> answers. Um, uh, I will give... Well, okay, so first of all, R2. The color scheme of R2 is like indelibly... Indelibly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's big <laughs> in my brain. Uh, it's, uh, it's just, you know, burned in there that that is a, a cool color scheme, that blue and, and, and pearly white... Uh, it just means happiness to me for some reason. And yes. I think it's because of R2. Yeah. Um, everything about that. I may have actually worked at a Best Buy as a result of some sort of psychological <laughs> imprinting from R2. But uh, that is, he's just so good. Anytime you see him, he's great. He's funny. He's cryptic. He, he's got the best personality in all of Star Wars. I will give a shout out to K2SO. Oh, yeah. Because the the one time performance, I'm a huge Rogue One fan. I yes. think Rogue One was like one of the best things to happen to Star Wars ever. Mm -hmm. It's in my top three. Um, and K2SO was spectacular. Yes. Uh, the timing, the comedic timing uh, of it, just everything about K2SO uh, I loved. Mm -hmm. And I was sorry to see him die, but everybody died uh, in that movie. <laughs> Spoiler, everybody dies. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> inside, everybody inside the shield gate dies. <laughs> this is true. And a few on the outside. And a few on the outside, too. especially if you're right. a rebel fleet trooper. <laughs> Un unceremoniously. <laughs> right. <laughs> dying on the outside. Door never opens till that lightsaber's gone through you. So <laughs> I'm glad you like Rogue One. I can actually keep this interview and I won't have to delete it after the fact. So. Oh, no. Yeah. Huge Rogue one fan awesome. huge <laughs> and i'm a big fan of k2so so all right so uh next question what is your favorite star wars toy or collectible i have uh an original r2 that is mostly you know the, like all the sticker is mm -hmm. worn off it because i played with it uh <laughs> as a kid that is one of my earliest memories but my favorite one is actually a original chewbacca that i have little little tiny kenner chewbacca mm -hmm. um and uh and we lost it as a child. I lost it in a couch for approximately like five, six years. Uh, and so there's this moment in my childhood when my mother finds Chewie in the couch. 
And she's like, we found Chewie. He was in the couch. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's, this, it's this tremendous moment where Chewie was gone. He was gone in some other planet for like six years. And then he reemerges. And so I still have that original Chewbacca um, and it's just this great, you know, memory and moment tied to this little tiny plastic Wookiee. Hashtag childhood saved. <laughs> That's right. Yes. My childhood was not ruined later right. somehow by a movie. <laughs> now you can fix that R2 with some indelible ink. So God, no, the whole sticker, <laughs> like the whole thing's gone. And if you twist his head, he still sort of like does that mm -hmm. click thing. I think he had something coming out of the top of his head. I think he had a little plastic antenna at one point on those originals, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. I was very bad with my Star Wars toys. I created a giant slingshot and destroyed many of them. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> Well, we, I mean, we played with them. We didn't have any idea that we were supposed to leave them in the package and only look <laughs> at them. Right. I mean, we didn't know. Right. They were toys. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what you do. All right. Final question uh, is, what is your favorite Star Wars memory? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, but it's got to be, uh, I, I brought this up before on the, on the, um, the Blue Milk Cafe. Um, my earliest memory is definitely Shiraz Fuad, the Egyptian kid that had all the toys. And I went over to his house and he had all of them. Uh, just, just all of them. <laughs> and, and it really can't be described any more than that. Like every toy that I can think of when I see it now, I'm thinking back to when I was like six or seven. I was like, Oh, sure has had that. And that's the only thing I know about that guy is the time that I met him. He was like a, my mother's church, something friend yeah. kid. And I went there and he had all these toys and my, my head just blew apart. I was like, oh, my God. And, it, and the, he had the ATAT, -AT, which I remember oh. specifically. People say ADAT. -AT. I've never said that. I've always said ATAT. -AT. I don't know if that's I don't think there's a or, right or wrong way. I'm probably not a real fan then. Um, but uh, <laughs> he had the ATAT, -AT, which I always remember as being like the most spectacular of the toys. It was just so yeah. huge and iconic. And as a toy, you know, like as a kid – size of toy <laughs> means a lot. It does. <laughs> so I know that it's just like a lot of flat plastic, but uh, I mean, it was really, really cool. So that might be my favorite uh, Star Wars memory. I, I have some now with my own son watching, um, watching Star Wars. He was, it was, a, it was a fight scene with Vader and Luke in Empire. And he's, he's on the couch and, and I think I've shared this video a few times, uh, at least on Facebook, maybe on Twitter. And he gets off the couch. He's young. He's maybe like four or five or six. I don't know. And he's like, you're not alone. And so he gets up and he like starts pretending to like swing a lightsaber and fight and everything. And then Luke gets his hand chopped off <laughs> and he looks at the television and then he looks at me <laughs> And then he comes running over and he sort of just crowds in I on me. Out. I'm like, oh, didn't see that one coming, <laughs> did you? <ya?" laughs> Feel good movie of the year. That's exactly right. It's just this immediate shock and Luke's like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> lost a hand it's like this is suddenly very real yeah exactly and the good guys never lose that is a phenomenal memory uh and actually what i will do here is uh certainly you've passed the jedi trials there was never anything to be concerned yes. about uh welcome to the jedi order so um what i will do now is since uh since you're going to be leaving us when we come the back first from thing the, i'm going to do is make attachments i'm going to make all the attachments i can make all the attachments i love it and that's why uh that's why jedis can't send photos right in email <laughs> <laughs> attachments are forbidden <laughs> all right I, I should never have told that joke on the air but uh <laughs> oh, I know. you'll see yourself out now it right? is wonderful <laughs> exactly right so uh since you're going to be gone when we come back from the commercial break and we'll be getting joined by uh dr sunny ravencourt i will give you a chance to just let the listeners know where they can find your podcast we are available on all i say we it's mostly the royal we it's yeah. just me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the University of Coruscant is available on all the podcatchers on iTunes and Spotify and everything like that. We're also available at universityofcoruscant.com. So yeah. http colon backslash backslash www. Which one's the backslash? I can never remember. <laughs> I, it's, I, I don't think it actually is a backslash. I think, I think we've all just right. been accustomed to calling it that, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. 
that's like inner computer science jokes somewhere in there. Um, University of Coruscant.com, and we're also available at on Twitter at U of Coruscant, um, dot com. No, just you don't do the dot com for Twitter. You <laughs> right. just stop right there. <laughs> You'll find Coruscant. us. We're the big logo. You know, it's fun. It's blue and yellow, and the blue is from the uh, a long time ago. Yeah, and the yellow is from the scroll. I love it. I yeah, love it. I love that the, you went to that level of detail for your uh, for your logo. Those are the little so. Easter eggs. Yeah, I right? love it. But you can find us everywhere. University of Coruscant. Yes. It's a lot of fun. You'll yeah. love it. And definitely check time. him out on Twitter. He's always a good time out on Twitter. Not that you're not a blast to hang out with no matter what. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump to a quick commercial break. And then we will be back to talk about the Jedi Temples with Dr. Sonny Ravencourt. Isn't this lovely, dear? Walking along the shores of Canto Bight? I don't know, dear. It feels like I'm getting sunburned. At night? <laughs> Are you so pale that you're at risk of getting moonburn? That's no moon. Did you put on the Tuscan tan like I told you? Uh, no. Now you've done it. <laughs> Tuscan tan sunscreen, guaranteed to protect you from a single reactor blast or moonlight. <laughs> Don't want to end up like Alderaan. Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. Tuscan Tan has not been authorized for use on Mustafar. Ah, Dr. Uh, Sonny Ravencourt, I presume. It is indeed. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Welcome to the Jedi Temple. I'm very excited about this. I've, uh, I've actually never been inside the Jedi temple, even though, uh, I'm sure that I, my face and voice are, are well recognized around here. Is, is that the case? Are most Jedi's fan of my work? Uh, hard to say. I would say that, uh, the, the younglings and the Padawans perhaps have some time to keep up with the holodramas, but most of the rest of the Jedi order is far too busy. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Bid we're Fortuna's uh, day off. No. The thin red lightsaber. No. Jedi's Die Hard. Come on. I won a lot of awards for that one. I wasn't even aware that was a holodrama. You know, I'll bet you we find them in the vault. I'll <laughs> bet there's a secret stash of them. I mean, it would only make sense. I find it incredibly hard to believe that even the Jedi don't have a, a collection of my works. Well, perhaps the uh, the archivist, the lead archivist and uh, chief librarian, Lady Vicara, may have some stashed in there, but certainly none of the other Jedi. We'll have to run into her. By the way, I should explain a little bit for those uh, students who are listening. I am recording this on a hollow. I am in the actual Jedi Temple right now, and uh, only only I was able to get the security clearance to go through here, which is um, mildly surprising given my uh, history, particularly with the Senate recently. I, I'd been attempting over the last six months to try to get into the Jedi Temple by uh, going to the observation platform of the Senate and uh, letting a hat blow off repeatedly to see if it would actually make it to the temple to have an excuse to, to go inside and retrieve my hat. Apparently that, um, while unique, had uh, not met with much success. So I was able to get in here, and I'm very excited to be on this tour, and so I'm recording it on Hollow for the students. So we're going to kind of be discussing some of the, the history and, and what's going on, but, but please uh, go on with the tour, and, uh, and if I talk or interrupt you or talk over you, despite that being pretty normal for me um, due to my fame, uh, we'll just keep moving on, if that's all right with you. Yes, absolutely no problem at all, right this way, and I will take you into the Jedi Temple Archive. All right, so this is the Jedi Temple Archive. Not many outsiders have made it this far into the temple in the past, uh, short of a few troublesome Mandalorians back in the past. But uh, welcome to the Temple Archive. Do you have any questions? Well, so I should describe a little bit about what we're, what we're seeing. So on the exterior of uh, the Jedi Temple, first of all, this is on Coruscant. Correct. Um, we are, in fact, on the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. And... I'm surprised that you guys don't have more clever names for these. It's just Jedi Temple on Coruscant, right? Yes, exactly. And uh, generally, we avoid attachment, and that includes two clever names. Now, how much attachment are we avoiding here? Because I have a you know a, a fairly large amount of things that I'm attached to: um, awards, uh, money, things like that. You know, I mean, are we talking no attachments? How fond uh, of those robes are you? Oh, I could take them or leave them. 
Really? Yes. Do you have like a laundry service where they they launder all the robes? Do they switch them out between people or are those your robes? No, it's actually run by the Padawans that have washed out of the Jedi program. Really? Yes. See, this is the kind of information that I find fascinating. Okay, so the Jedi Temple is a ziggurat design. Um, Ziggurat, great word, by the way, rarely used uh, anymore, much like ziggurats. Um, It's sort of like a squashed temple pyramid, right? Correct. It's not quite a, a, a perfect-looking pyramid. They're, they're much flatter and more uh, ragged on the edges, I would say. Um, there is five spires. Correct. And we'll talk about the spires in, in a little bit. Um, it is built over a natural mountain spire, which really looks like it's not here anymore. You know, you can't – I can't see the mountain spire that's in here. Is that is that somewhere in here? Or is that pretty much – removed as a part of the construction process. It's really hard to say at this point. I mean, the story has always been that there is a mountain spire beneath the temple, uh, certainly on Coruscant with all of the uh, the construction that's occurred over the millennia. Uh, many of the surface features have been lost. So uh, I suppose only those who built the original temple really know the truth of that matter. Well, it doesn't look like there's a mountain in here. It's incredibly vast. Uh, it's cavernous. There's support pillars that are just everything about the Jedi seems very grandiose for uh, a group of individuals that that seem to be so selfless. You guys have on the outside of this gigantic statues of Jedi. Now, is it important that you're dead before you get something like that so it doesn't go to your head or or is that something that you'd be okay with having a gigantic thousand foot statue of yourself outside uh typically the only jedi who have any sort of monument erected to them would be the uh the lost uh jedi who have left the order uh they typically have a bust that is uh one of the things that you can see here within the temple archives that is true but on the outside of the temple on coruscant uh at least for a period of time until uh one of the many many sackings of of this particular place. Um, It was built by the four masters and they had gigantic sort of glyphs, these, these flat depictions of the four masters uh, as well as uh, statues uh, going around of those four masters as well. Uh, Now they were long gone by the time that that happened, but those are pretty uh, uh, ostentatious might be the word I would use. That's typically the the word that I hear most used to describe them. Uh, <laughs> although, once again, uh, typically these things are built by the Republic. We've been aligned with the Republic for millennia uh, as we basically help them keep peace around the galaxy. And uh, they tend to insist on these things. So the Republic comes out and does the construction work? I've always wondered about that. Do you have like a Jedi sanitation staff that that, that works internally to, you know, clean the refreshers and... and Things like that? Or is that also ha- handled by Padawans? Uh, it's the Jedi Corps of Engineers. Oh, yes. right. Okay, that makes sense. You know, there's really a lot of disadvantages to washing out of the Jedi Knight program, it sounds like. Uh, a lot of hard labor involved, yes, for sure. Yeah, I think we're going to have to get to that in a little bit, too. But uh, I, I don't want to stall us out too much, uh, although I very much appreciate your your candor in all of this. This is absolutely spectacular. Um, so it was re- – pardon me. It was built – Initially, about 5,000 BBY. Potentially, um, the rumor has it over a force nexus. I'm sure that you would verify that as probably being true, right? Yes, certainly. Uh, typically, the Jedi Masters will meditate for, at some point, days uh, or weeks even uh, on the site of where the temple is going to be built to uh, verify that it is essentially connected in some significant way to the force. Do they ever have my movies going on in the background while they're doing that? Uh, not that I've heard of, no. Hmm. It's probably true, though. Certainly nothing um, anyone would admit to. Well, they don't admit to a lot. They're, they're very secretive. Um, they, uh, the rumor also has it. I speak a lot in rumors because, I mean, I'm not an actual historian. I'm just a fan of history. It's, it's a minor miracle that the university allows me to teach my history class. But nonetheless, you know, fame will do that. Uh, it was built on top of a Sith temple or some sort of Sith meditation site, which apparently caused a lot of problems. Is that correct also? Yeah, uh, that actually essentially came to be known around the time of the Jedi Purge. 
there was uh, a previous sacking of the Jedi Temple by the Sith, uh, one of the many times that it had been raised by the Sith. And at that time, they had built a number of Sith shrines. We thought we had cleared them all out. Unfortunately, one was able to escape our notice. And the dark side energy coming from that shrine actually was what uh, blinded the Jedi to uh, some of the darkness rising in the galaxy and uh, weakened their connection to the light side of the Force, leading to the Jedi Purge. That is fascinating. Do you think the Jedi would be the kind of people that would sort of uh, come up with a, a plausible excuse as to why they bungled that operation? Or do you, do you actually buy that? No, I believe that is actually the case. I mean, it, it's a pretty cataclysmic error to allow the entire galaxy to be uh, run by a Sith for, you know, maybe 50 or so years. <laughs> it seems like I, even I would make uh, a nice story about that. But, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll believe it if you believe it. It is according um, to the uh, the records that were left by uh, Madame Jocasta New at the time of the Jedi Purge. She was able to transfer much of the lost knowledge onto holocrons, and uh, based on the information we have stored in there, that is, in fact, what happened. I understand. Well, I'm not going to argue with you. Well, I'm going to argue with you a little bit about it, but you're, you're nice enough to continue this tour, uh, so I won't argue with you. All the way. Uh, places inside, speaking of um, Master Jocasta Nunes, was she a master? She was indeed. She was actually part of the Jedi High Council for a time before stepping down to become the, uh, the chief librarian of the Jedi Temple Archives. That is fascinating. I did not know that. Um, so inside the Temple on Coruscant, you have the Temple Archives, Correct. where they store basically all the accumulated knowledge. There is the Holocron Chamber. Correct. The holocron there is vault the holocron. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The holocron chamber, the holocron vault, and then on top of that, you have the hidden relic vault. Was it not good enough to just stay in the holocron vault? Is it a vault inside a vault, or no. is it a vault next to the vault? No, it was a secret vault constructed elsewhere within the archives. Oh, really? Yes. Now, how many people you think knew of that particular hidden relic vault? That information was restricted to only the highest of the Jedi Masters. Hmm. But we know about it now. Correct. It's amazing how those things kind of get out over time, isn't it? <laughs> once they've <laughs> been, see, once they've been plundered, it's hard to keep the secret. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and none of them if they're Sith. Uh, the, so on top of that, um, you have these spires. And the spires, I think, are my, uh, my favorite part of the entire uh, temple on Coruscant um, before we move on to other, other temples. But... My understanding was that the largest spire would be where the Jedi High Council meets. Correct. But that is not actually the case, is it? Because you have the four spires. You have, I'm going to have to break this down. So you have four large groups of Jedi. And that's a terrible way of putting that. But you have four councils, more or less. You have the Council of First Knowledge, which is the education program. Correct. You have the Council of Reassignment, which is like Jedi Court. Um, where where they, you know, they, they basically hand out justice. Um, they assign Jedi to do various things like join the, the service corps, mm -hmm. the Jedi service corps, which is an, an enormous part, an underrated part of the entire Jedi order. You have the Council of Reconciliation, which is, you know, like the, the Jedi politics wing. Uh, and then you have the High Council Chamber. Correct. And those are one of the four on the outside. Now, the largest one, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but the largest one is where you have the Hall of Knighthood. Mm -hmm. You store the oldest Jedi texts, and basically it's just kind of like a meeting place to maybe get a, a calf and, and talk about the future and whether or not you can see it. There is actually a meeting uh, chamber within the Central Spire as well that can be used in addition to the Jedi Council Chamber, which is in one of the four outlying uh, spires. See, now, I, had, I was under the impression early, and, and this was apparently mistaken, that the Jedi High Council would be in the highest spire. At times but, they are. It's like, uh, it's like uh, meeting room B. Oh. See, this is why I come. This is this fascinating information that you can really only get inside of here, and you guys are so tight-lipped about most stuff. But, uh, you know, re I mean, not, none of them, like, escape from Kessel? Nothing? Nothing. It's actually the fact that you typically do speak in rumors that it's the reason we were willing to have you within the Jedi Temple. Because if you say anything that we don't agree with, we can always just claim it's one of your famous rumors. This is true. At least the famous part. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about the Temple on Ossus, which is 
actually my favorite temple. I mean, this, this is an excellent temple. Um, as far as, you know, multiple kilometer tall temples go in the middle of a citywide planet. Um, but the temple on Ossus, uh, is really, um, a, a fascinating story. So it was also a ziggurat. What is with it? What's with ziggurats with you guys? Why, why do you, you know, tend to gravitate towards this weird outdated design? It's hard to say what uh, what the reasoning was for Jedi who were millennia dead, but uh, I believe it was just something that they had arrived at. Perhaps uh, some of it was just to reflect status within the Order. Some of it was to uh, provide peace and tranquility for those who were making the key decisions in the uh, in the taller parts of the temple. Um, and also, I think it had something to do with, especially at the time uh, that most of those ziggurats were being co- uh, constructed, there were a lot of wars going on, and that was a easily defensible structure. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense, uh, particularly about the easily defensible part. Um, that does make sense. You guys tend to get into a lot of fights for an order that you know thrives on peace. Well, we are defending the galaxy. Mm-hmm. We're defending peace. It seems like you defend a lot. Aggressive <laughs> negotiations. <laughs> That's a very Jedi term. Uh, so the Temple on Ossus, also known as the the Ossus Praxium, only the Jedi would use a, a word like Praxium uh, instead of training facility. <laughs> praxium is uh, another sure. very it's another very Jedi word, isn't it? Um, so the uh, built five thousand BBY before the Battle of Yavin. You may like want to I explain to your students what BBY stands for. Yeah, so I, I always say with BBY that we had to pick some sort of calendar start to the galaxy as a as a reference point in time, and that one had a particularly large explosion. So everybody likes a good explosion, and and so we're just going to go around that. So well, I just didn't want anyone thinking it was another model of BB droid. No, no, BBY uh, is in fact a large uh, detonation <laughs> instead of a small droid. Um, so. This particular uh, temple, this one gets its fame for something that comes after it's built. Um, With a ziggurat, you have multiple levels, kind of like a a jagged pyramid. Um, I would call it a crappily constructed pyramid, but, I mean, apparently this is the whole thing for you guys, and and that's your uh, your shtick, is to design these sort of ziggurats. So uh, the bottom floor was the largest, of course, because it's like a pyramid, right? Um, for learning the force and how it applied to nature, mostly defensive. And you've already explained how you, you would prefer to be defensive. Correct. Right? Okay. So then you have, uh, moving up on the floors, you have the chamber of peace, uh, where you learn martial skills, which is also such a very Jedi thing to call it the chamber of peace and yet learn how to delimb another species. Well, it's delimb or be delimbed. So. Right. Again, the defensiveness. Um, so then on the next floor, you have the serenity level, which is where you have the living quarters, dining, complimentary continental breakfast for Jedi hobos. And uh, above that, you have the harmony level. So on, now we're on the fourth floor. This is where the Jedi masters meet. Um, it's another uh, important meeting place. At that time, the... Uh, Eye of Ashlane? Am I saying that correctly? Actually, that's very well said. Yeah, so that was another ziggurat, another ziggurat um, on a different uh, planet, and that was that was more or less like meeting room A, I would say, at the time. That was your Correct. the Jedi's most important meeting place. Um, and so then you have the very top floor, um, which is the knowledge level, where they hold the holocrons. Now, here's what makes the Temple of Ossus, and, and I'm you know, I'm mostly speaking by students because you obviously know this already. Uh, what makes the temple on Ossus famous is not the temple itself, but it's the library. So there was a student of the Praxium training facility uh, whose name was Odon Ur. And uh, he decided, I guess he was a, uh, a fan of library sciences because he decided that um, the particular way that you guys were storing all the information was not uh, up to his standards. And so he created the library, which I'm still a little unclear as to whether the library, the library had to be a separate structure to the temple, correct? I believe it was actually a uh, part of the temple. 
Well, it would have had to have been at least an expansion to the temple Certainly. because it was of a significant size, uh, size enough that it became the place where they held basically everything important as far as knowledge goes for the Jedi at that time. The the temple on Ossus became the library on Ossus, more or less. Correct. Um, and so uh, it, it held all the scrolls and holocrons uh, in basically the normal library area, but then they also had what was known as the Chamber of Antiquities. Mm -hmm. Run by the Keeper of Antiquities. Right. And so if you were elected Keeper of Antiquities, which I find uh, hilariously enough was Odon Ur, no surprises there, right? If you're going to build the place, then you might as well uh, be the boss, right? I'm sure Um, sure he he was gainfully elected. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure he was through the... Uh, the mythical Jedi election process. Um, and so he uh, he became the keeper of antiquities, which is basically a secret chamber underneath the main library where they stored all of the things that they considered to be too dangerous uh, to let out into the galaxy. Correct. And it was very much like the hidden vault in the temple on Coruscant. Yeah. I mean, I find it... I find it consistent that the Jedi like to hide things underground in secret temples. Um, I'm sure that they had good security also, but it seems like not having it out in the open was another level of security that the Jedi seem to be a particularly big fan of. Uh, Certainly, especially with anything related to the Sith. It uh, just wouldn't do to have that type of thing lying around the temple where any young Padawan or youngling could find it. I guess that works, right? I mean, it, it, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. So, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't out of sight or out of mind for a particular Sith by the name of Exar Kun, who more or less sacked it, <laughs> <laughs> as the Sith do. <laughs> he had a uh, habit of doing that to Jedi temples around his time. Yes, he did. Um, he was looking for Sith holocrons, and that would be the place to look for them at that time. That was about 4,000 BBY. Uh, before the Battle of Yavin. Um, and uh, he actually killed Odon Ur, the Keeper of Antiquities. The short-lived first Keeper of Antiquities. So th- was there another Keeper of Antiquities after that? I believe there were many additional Keeper of Antiquities. I believe uh, Joe Castanu would have probably held that title at the time of the Jedi Purge, uh, having uh. access to that uh, secret archive in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Well, they did... They did decide that the temple on, uh, pardon me, the library on Ossus, uh, while um, useful and pretty, uh, would probably be better served moving most of the things to the temple on Coruscant, correct? Eventually, yes, correct. Yeah, everything kind of goes to Coruscant. Um, That's really, you know, where the universe revolves, which is why it surprises me so much that there's not a larger collection of my works inside your archives, but all... uh, I'll send a letter to the to the council or something like that. Another letter. Most of my stuff is restricted at this point. I've sent a lot of letters. <laughs> um, speaking so, of, speaking of jobs that are given to uh, Padawans that fail the Jedi trials. Mailroom responding to your correspondence, I believe. I do usually get a response. Yes. Um, that would explain the crayon. Um, <laughs> it's a little. Uh, I've learned a lot today. Um, really peeling back the layers of the Jogan fruit here. I would say. Um, so do we want to talk about some of the other temples briefly, just kind of mentioned a, a few of them? Certainly. I think, uh, certainly the, te- the Masasi temple on Yavin 4, given that we've been referring to everything related to the battle of Yavin, I, I think would be a good place to start. So the Masasi temple on Yavin 4, can you give me uh, like a real quick, rundown on that particular temple because you seem to be a big fan of that one yes yes actually uh that was a temple that was originally the seat of power for exar kun uh, which is why his name uh, triggered that memory for me he ended up draining the life force from the masasi people who he had had construct that particular temple uh he drained their life force and imbued uh his spirit into the temple prior to the time when he would have died, uh, which allowed him to kind of live on in Sith spirit form for millennia. Uh, It was later visited by an archaeological expedition led by a professor uh, named Walter Amanus from... 
boy, I probably should be careful with that name. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the Jedi way to be careful, but uh, I find that you guys make a lot of mistakes, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, well, it's a good thing that we don't take offense. Uh, and he was from the University of uh, Corellia, so possibly someone that you've heard of, uh, a peer from one of the other learning institutions. Uh, they woke his spirit, uh, the spirit of Exar Kun, and were enslaved by him, forming the uh, cult of Exar Kun, who were later uh, freed by a group of, of uh, spacers, I guess they would be called, sent by another professor, Cornelius Wagglehorn. Uh, we always uh, appreciate a good name like Wagglehorn here at the Jedi Temple. Uh, and uh, he was a colleague of Professor Amenas uh, from the University of Corellia. So uh, it, it also bears noting that Luke Skywalker allegedly had formed a new Jedi Praxium, uh, since you enjoy the, the name Praxium, uh, there at the Masasi Temple on Yavin 4, and it was certainly central to the, uh, the galaxy in terms of uh, serving as a point on the timeline that we all refer to. I find this to be absolutely fascinating. There was a lot of educational expeditions going on in there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you have a, a an archaeological expedition that more or less unleashes uh, the ghost of Exar Kun, it sounds like. Um, you have to really be careful with some of this educational stuff. True. I once narrated an entire nature hollow documentary, but forgot to turn my mic on uh, the whole time. Uh, I won an Isaac Award, actually, for... Um, best Silent Hollow. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, critics said it was some of my finest work. Uh, the the educational aspect of these temples now, uh, I find, despite you guys having such limited success with <laughs> unearthing old temples, you seem to be okay with uh, allowing uh, tours and, and visits through these things. Well, again, I mean, occasionally we, we allow an insider or an outsider in uh, so that they can get a little bit of enlightenment out into the galaxy about the Jedi and what we're all about. One of the other temples that I, I just wanted to touch on before before we're almost done, and I, I understand this is kind of getting to the end of the tour here. Um, and I do appreciate so much for you guys letting me in, despite my um, legal restrictions for being within uh, perimeters. And uh, Tython, um, Tython is a temple that I want to talk about because that was the home of the Jedi Order for a little while after a, a really particularly uncomfortable period for you guys with uh, the Sith. And that would be when the Great Galactic War uh, was coming to an end around 3650 BBY, let's say. Um, and the, the Sith came over to Coruscant and really kind of wrecked shop. Correct. And so you guys went to Tython. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you'll be happy to know that we did not build a ziggurat there. No, it is one of the few non-ziggurat Jedi temples. That, that is absolutely true. Um, I do like the fact that the Jedi High Council reportedly meditated and fasted for a week. Um, how long do you think you can hold your breath? I'll just go on while you're doing that. Um, while talking about the temple on, uh, on Tython, there was a very large item in the sort of the foyer. It's okay. You can let your breath out now. Um, I was just testing. Uh, the, uh, it's called the Eye of Zalo, correct? And it, and it was just this enormous thing. Do we have any idea? It's difficult to really look through history to find out what the function of that particular thing was. Uh, Do you I, have any idea what that did or what that was? I believe the information on what it was was actually stored within it. So when it was destroyed, we lost that information. Well, that's a bummer. You have this giant thing, and to know what it is, you have to look within it, and then it gets destroyed, right? It was a, fi it was a fine example of a decahedron. Hmm. I'll buy that. I'll have to look that up later. But, I mean, that makes sense. Um, and so, of course, that temple was unfortunately attacked by the Sith, uh, like you said. Um, but there was a particularly legendary Jedi and Jedi uh, family, uh, the Sean family, Grandmaster Satil Sean and her son uh, Theron Sean, um, who helped lead a counterattack. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's a fascinating story. Yeah, Grandmaster Sean was actually able to stop lightsaber blades with her hand, uh, purportedly so. You know, and that is not, uh, surprisingly not the only person in uh, Force user history that was able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's obviously 
uh, one of those higher level tricks, it's I would say. Certainly an advanced uh, Jedi skill. Are you able to do that? I am not. That's too bad. I, have you ever tested it? I have not. You think you'll give it a run later? Likely not. Oh, man, once something's in my head, I just can't get it out until I try it. That's I feel like that's the type of thing that you don't find out you can do it until you're put in a position where that's your only choice. That's true. Most of my efforts that way lead to hangovers instead of severed limbs. But occupational, to each zone, you Occupational know. hazard. I would say so. Yeah. Thank you so much for this tour. Uh, it's been excellent. I hope that my students have had as much uh, fun listening to it as, as I have. Um, I think that this is, uh, this is certainly something that is a, a crowning achievement for me personally to be able to have a tour through the Jedi Temple uh, on Coruscant. And I, and I want to thank you very much for allowing that to happen. It's truly been a pleasure having you here. And uh, after you leave, I will make sure we sweep the temple for any of your holodramas that may have been uh, missed in any of our previous searches. And uh, we will make sure to send those to you as soon as we find them. Well, you shouldn't have to sweep very hard um, because I've been inserting them into uh, various empty holocron spots as we've been going along. I don't know if you've seen me doing that, but uh, I always carry a, a small collection of my works with me for fans like uh, yourself and I assume the High Jedi Council as well. So yeah, We suspected uh, that may happen. I've actually had a Padawan following along behind us and removing them. I did not know that. See, force clouding is an amazing thing, isn't it? It is. I've learned so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming, and uh, we look forward to hearing about your lecture at the university. So thank you once again to James McDonald from the University of Coruscant. Uh, definitely check that podcast out if you have not already. His alter ego, Dr. Sonny Ravencourt, definitely delivers some great Star Wars content in very manageable bites uh, and does it in a really funny format as well. So uh, certainly recommended listening from us and uh, a great person to have on the podcast. So James, thank you so much for coming on the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Uh, and with that, we are going to go ahead and jump into the uh, Holonet News of the Week. The first story that we've got is in relation to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, both the Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, I know that this particular hack has been tried out at Disneyland. I don't know if it has been uh, tested out at Walt Disney World Resort. But essentially what has been discovered is that there is a chewy mode that has been activated on smugglers run and in order to enable that it is essentially when you are loading into the attraction uh, when you first get into the cockpit and take your seat make sure you get buckled up quickly the two pilots have to push their control sticks to one of the extremes so the right hand pilot would have to push it all the way forward or all the way pull it all the way back uh, the left hand pilot would have to pull it all the way to the left or the right before they hit the button to actually kind of uh, start the ride for them and then the gunners and the uh, engineers on that particular attraction need to push one of the white buttons surrounding their control area before hitting the button that is going to essentially signal their readiness for the ride and all of this has to happen before the on-ride uh, cast member has checked your seatbelts and basically hit the button to signal that the attraction is all set to start and if you do that correctly then essentially what's going to happen is is that for the extent of that ride, you're going to have Chewbacca howling at you. Uh, so it's going to be very similar to what Han Solo would experience uh, at any particular point when piloting the Falcon. So uh, I know that uh, this was originally uncovered by uh, one of the one of the vlogs out there at Walt Disney World, or I'm sorry, out at Disneyland Resort uh, called Fresh Baked. So definitely props to them for uh, letting people know how to unlock this particular mode on Smuggler's Run. And uh, please let us know if you are down at Walt Disney World Resort and have been able to implement that correctly. So uh, that looks like it's going to be another fun way to experience Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in both the Disneyland and the Walt Disney World Resorts. The other thing that uh, is kind of a major announcement for this week is that Project Luminous, which has been something that has been 
basically hinted at by Disney and Lucasfilm for quite some time now, all the way back into 2019. Uh, that has been revealed, and it is very much in keeping with what they have been talking about in terms of their plans for future Star Wars films, uh, which is to go to kind of the High Republic era of Star Wars, which is really when the Galactic Republic was at its height. Uh, so basically that same Republic that we see eroding in the events of that Skywalker saga, uh, this is when the Jedi are at their strongest. They are definitely tied very closely to the uh, Galactic Republic. And it's going to be a series of stories, both in, in uh, novels and comic books, that are expected to release starting in August of 2020. I know that Claudia Gray has a novel that's supposed to be coming out in August of 2020 uh, that is going to kick off Project Luminous. So definitely check that out. Um, kind of stay tuned. We will be dropping more information as it becomes available. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for the Holonet news for the week, at least the key items. Uh, one thing I will definitely tell people is if you are into collecting Star Wars Black Series, uh, stay tuned to our Twitter and Holonet feed for our February giveaway, which I'm going to be announcing later this evening. Uh, Monday, March 2nd, uh, and we are going to be announcing the winners of our February giveaway of a couple of Star Wars Black Series figures, both Jen Urso and her Jetta gear, as well as Cassian Andor in his Edu gear. So uh, looking forward to giving those away to one lucky listener. So anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this episode has run a little bit on the long side. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to get back to kind of our core values, which are uh, delivering some Star Wars content that is really more educational for the casual Star Wars listener and looking forward to kind of getting back to some of that as opposed to some of our crossover episodes, which we have had a lot of fun with over the past few weeks. And uh, just stay tuned and looking forward to bringing that to you here in the not too distant future. So uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close it out for this week. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>